0: Borag Thong Earthlets, it's Conrad, and before this show, I wanted to shout out the new film Search Destroy, a Strontium Dog fan film, directed by a friend of the show, Stephen Green. It's awesome that this has come out just as we've completed a big Strontium Dog adventure, and if you liked hearing us talk about Strontium Dog, I think you'll love this fully realized 30-minute live-action adaption of Strontium Dog that brings everything that we loved on the page onto the screen. You can find it on YouTube by searching for Strontium Team Dog fan film, or by going to www.strontiumdogfanfilm.com, and I'll link to it in the show description. Also, check out this team's movie, Judge Minty, which is about more uh, Judge Dredd and 2080 stuff, which we'll talk about more in-depth in about 10 episodes. Anyhow, on with the show. Splendug for a Thrig! My name is Conrad alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 35th episode of Space Spinner 2000. God. A podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're taking a break from weekly progs, and once again venturing into the uncharted water of special editions. Whoa. Yeah. In this case, the 1979 sci-fi special. Like the previous sci-fi specials, this issue features thrills by different creative teams as well as classic stories from the IPC Fleetway archives. This one doesn't have nearly as many articles and text pieces as the last one did, but it does have a very, yeah, but it does have a very mixed bag in terms of thrills. Speaking of which, let's go to Thrill 1, Judge Dread. Judge Dredd, the script robot, is Alan Grant, the art robot is Brett Ewins, and the lettering robot is Tom. Just Tom. Uh,
1: Judge Dredd is looking very weirdly muscular in the neck and f- bottom face region. Yeah,
0: Ewins is sort of, I feel like this is an early thing that he draws, he's still kind of getting, a, getting a, his sense of dread, I think. Hmm. Um, this is kind of this is a, a decent story, I think, but it's made weird by there having by there being like a crawl on the top of the page.
1: Yeah, like each every page. single like part is like this is something that's going on. Yeah,
0: it basically kind of describes the action before the action happens, which is very weird.
1: Yeah, put it at the bottom. Pro Some, tip: back I in mean, 1979,
0: maybe you don't even have it on there, frankly
1: thank you <laughs>
0: but uh dread dodges a sniper's attack and when he investigates he finds that the attack that the attacker has incredible physical abilities like he jumps from building to building and escapes down a manhole which is a hundred meters straight down while shooting at dread with a tommy gun as he goes meanwhile we see a bunch of gangsters meet up at a fruit company and a and a hit is put out on dread a billion credits to whoever snuffs him out
1: that's a lot of credits I think Thing? I'm pretty sure how, it is. How, much is. how much is that in groats?
0: Um, I'd imagine it's somewhere near a billion groats as well, but I can't be sure. <laughs> you know, so a bunch of thugs start coming after Dread, but he handles them easily.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and he uses his computer to figure out the main suspect for the crime, the ape gang.
1: Which really wasn't much of a reveal if you looked at the frickin' cover, and it was just a bunch of apes from the ape gang that we know of, the cover, that.
0: yeah, the cover is very ape gang focused, so it sort of spoils it. But you know, we'll all remember the ape gang, Dredd fought them back in Prague 39, way back in episode 11 of this podcast.
1: Yeah, and in a really messed up uh, judging, he put them in a zoo. Yeah, it's good <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: Dred goes to Ape Town, but finds the townsfolk way less willing to give up their fellow apes than the last time he was there when the uh, Don Oogie's mom just sold him down the river for nothing.
1: And this time she's like, yeah, you put my son in prison, dude. Like, And not even just regular prison, you put him on display prison. Yeah,
0: zoo prison's the worst prison. Yeah, it really is. After checking in with Max Normal and getting Dog Don Oogie's telephone number, Dredge's, which oh,
1: that was my favorite part. I anytime Max Normal's in anything, I love him because yeah, he's he rhymes, dude, and he's got a sweet bowler hat.
0: Yeah, the pinstripe informant, the pinstripe weirdo.
1: <laughs> yeah, dude. Everyone thinks he's weird. I think he's pretty. I think he's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, well, he's weird because he dresses like someone from like the twentieth and early twenty first century. So of course, you do. It's like, if, it's like if you were a medieval guy, the one guy that dresses as like a knight all the time would seem pretty cool. <laughs> um, so Dred decides to handle the case in kind of a different way. He knows that Don Oogie, the Ape Gang leader, doesn't have a billion credits. And the only place he can steal it from is the Mega City Lottery. So it's plan time.
1: Which I guess it happens every year and just so happens to be right now. I mean, there's a lot of
0: happenstance going on in this story, but, uh, I
1: mean, judge Dredd happenstance, yep. the freaking
0: comic book. It's good time, buddy. I love um, it. So he, Walter becomes a very important criminal. Basically <laughs> he has, um, dread fakes his own kidnapping. And then he has uh, Walter be the kidnapper and call Don Uge using the number they got from max normal to claim the reward. This leads to the ape gang heisting the lottery, but Dredd is waiting for them, and he and the other judges make quick work of the gangsters.
1: He's hiding inside of a giant see-through piggy bank, inside of the cash that is in that piggy bank, and then as Oogie goes to like look at some dollars, punches Oogie in the face. <laughs>
0: Listen, no one can fault Judge Dredd as a showman, alright? He is the That's ultimate true. performer.
1: Hey, Amen. the law sometimes dictates that you gotta make sure that it's you know hilarious how you capture absolutely
0: your yeah so don oogie's arrested and as he is the winning number of the lottery is announced and the winner is don oh <laughs> uh,
1: no it's messed up
0: yeah because as he because uh, judge Dredd goes through oogie's pockets finds his lottery ticket and burns it right in front of him you lose
1: ape <laughs> so it's not even a judging. It's like, no, nah, I'm just going to burn it in front of you. Yeah, that was for like, fun. Just didn't... Yeah, but that's, I I mean, I guess maybe there's some argument here. I don't feel like that's very Judge Dread.
0: I think it is because Don Oogie crossed the line by personally putting a hit out on Dredd.
1: Well, that's fair enough. And it was like a billion. So he's like, oh, here you go. Your billion's gone.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good poetic justice, you know? If he hadn't done the crime, he would have been a billion dollars richer. Fair
1: dues. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: That's right. Listen to Conrad. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, speaking of listen to me, we go to Thrill 2. You are the judge. Sorry, are a judge.
1: (laughs) Oh, god that's right
0: so this is a multiple choice quiz um about being a Mega City one judge i made fox take it after our last show and before he read these issues so issues so he couldn't see the answers
1: uh how did i measure up you
0: actually did pretty well you got a 27 out of 35 which is enough for uh congratulations rookie you displayed all the qualities of a top judge You knew all the tricks in tracking down dangerous criminals like Larry Lawless, and you also have the reactions to stay alive when death is only seconds away. But don't think you're ready to be a judge. The quiz only tests whether you've got the makings of one, and now you've got 10 years hard training before you can swap your white rookie's helmet for the real thing.
1: Dude, that puts me pretty much, I mean, a little bit uh, in the same category as Judge Clay. Just saying.
0: Yeah, I'd say so. Or Judge Giant, you mean.
1: Oh, Judge Giant, yeah, 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 Clay is the actual Harlem hero. Yeah, well, that's his last I, name.
0: He goes by the nickname because that's how they, you know, you 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 get to choose when you're a uh, a judge, I guess.
1: What really? So I he could have been Judge Joe. Well, like,
0: I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of times, like Judge, like a Rico Dread has Rico on his badge. Sometimes. Oh
1: yeah, that's right. He's not Judge Dredd.
0: Um. But anyhow, you lost points um, on question five, where you kicked a grenade away instead of covering it with your helmet and then diving for cover, and then at the end, Mm -hmm. for not asking Judge Shred what you did wrong during your pursuit of Larry Lawless, judges always appreciate
1: constructive feedback. Ah, God, but he'd just be like a total hoser. Yeah, well, you know, that's the price you pay, buddy. I guess that's fair. He is a fully-fledged judge.
0: Yeah, he's like a 30-year street judge, man.
1: That's pretty intense. (laughs) Anyhow.
0: (laughs) Speaking of intense, actually, let's go to Thrill
1: 3 Future Shocks. Speaking of bad decisions, God.
0: This story is called First Encounter. The script robot is Ola Stepanek. The art robot is Alan Craddock. And the lettering robot is S. Richards. So this is a fun kind of story. I'd say it's quick, though. It's got two pages of, ident- of identical art, but from two different perspectives. We only see like the- those speech mm. bubbles from one side each time. So first, f- the first time, uh, it's humans landing on an alien planet. They're smiling and going for handshakes, but then they suddenly get blasted by alien finger blasters. Ah, uh, snap. But yeah. why? Yeah. Meanwhile, we also see a bunch of aliens greeting a landing spaceship who's
1: blowing up their food
0: supply and then the aliens get off baring their teeth in anger and then holding out their fister blasters at their finger blasters at them so the aliens have no choice but to blast them first
1: oh it's a misunderstanding yep. uh, earthlets you got so much to learn it's
0: true you gotta not assume things it's good times
1: <laughs> jeez
0: yeah um. Speaking of not understand? All right. Whatever. Next up is a thrill. <laughs> is thrill for Meteor, which is a production feature about largely forgotten disaster movie Meteor, starring Sean Connery, Natalie Wood, and Carl Malden.
1: Which is not. God. What was that asteroid movie where um, uh, Die Hard drills a deep? In- oh a- no, Armageddon. There we go. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Then there's Deep Impact, where uh, Morgan Freeman's president and Elijah Wood, like, is smart enough to go underground to survive the comet, but decides not to. Anyway. (laughs) Um, This one, Meteor looks like it's filming this huge set, and there's lots of mud and stuff in it, and and the filming looks very miserable, even from the production stills that we see.
1: Uh, And at this point, Connery's a little bit older.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, the movie was eventually nominated for an Oscar for Best Sound, but was largely, but but was roundly panned by critics. It's got a five percent Rotten Tomatoes rating. Oh God! And that's pretty Ro- bad. Yeah, and Roger Ebert put his review of Meteor into his book. Um, I hated, hated, hated this movie, which is a collection of like one and zero star reviews.
1: Oh my God! Really? <laughs> yeah this one I mean that means it's really I've got to watch this movie
0: it's pre- apparently it's pretty bad I don't know it's on so you know you can find it on Amazon I don't know what to tell you you know <laughs> we'll
1: watch the hell out of it is what's up
0: all right so now we go to
1: Thrill five damn dare did you actually climb this mountain
0: I, I flipped through it uh, this is a, a text story called the Planet of Frozen Fear. In it, uh, Dan Dare investigates an icy research world. Basically, the snow and ice on the planet is alive and murderous. So Dan has the planet destroyed from orbit. Pretty standard Dan Dare interspecies diplomacy. You know? God. It's trying to kill us for some reason. Destroy the whole planet.
1: (laughs) And look really smug afterwards, of course.
0: Absolutely. Hey, speaking of looking smug at the end...
1: (laughs) oh that's right oh god (laughs) thrill six future shocks part two this may have been my favorite future shock ever but it was so gruesome
0: (laughs) it's good man it's called uh, the last jungle in the world the script robot is alan grant writing as staccato art robot is n neolocus and the lettering robot is pete knight Mm. so okay there's a pair of no good future kids and they've been watching an old tarzan movie and while one is impressed the other is skeptical about like how tough it is to be surviving in the, in, in the jungle so they go to this tourist attraction the last jungle in the world which is like an indoor dill park jungle kind of thing and the jer- bio
1: dome but with weird stuff going on yeah
0: more uh, more killer uh lions and tigers and stuff Mm -hmm. so the jerk kid whose name is Rob N R-O-B dash uppercase N um, hides until the place closes down at night and then tries to survive he uh, crosses a river and is attacked by piranhas which he takes out by electrocuting them with his
1: electro wallet yes total he cheats through this whole thing with like stuff that Tarzan didn't have
0: (laughs) he wants to see one of the fish up close so he tries to swing down on a vine but he gets attacked by a snake which oh, he then, then quickly takes out with his electro knife.
1: He stabs it through the brain.
0: It's good. Yeah, that's what you got to do, man. You can't be messing around with these snakes. Suddenly <laughs> so there's a roar, and it's a lion. And, the, and Robin tries to blast the lion with his laser pen, but it's no good. And the beast is bearing down on him when Tarzan shows up and swings him to safety.
1: Turns out that lion was a robot.
0: Yeah, well robin realizes that they're all robots all the animals are this even tarzan's one too this whole thing's a big fake it's yeah, not this a real gruesome animal exhibit. thing
1: he takes off his face and is like yeah i'm a robot
0: yeah tarzan's pretty cool with being a robot rips his face off shows you his ro- robo face guts uh, <laughs> the next day robin's friend comes looking for him but he's nowhere to be found they they check with the night security guard tarzan he says he hasn't seen them he hasn't seen robin and he would have because he was up all night working on souvenirs including a very rob and looking shrunken head
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's really gruesome it's just this kid's head on a hook and it's all messed up the mouth's
0: all sewn (laughs) shut yeah yeah oh it's gross it's pretty horrifying but that's why you don't be a punk kid, man. You just accept your punkness and move on.
1: Well, And then Tharg makes a joke about him being big-headed and now his head's small because it's shrunken. <laughs> and I'm like, you're talking about like a dead kid, man. That's why
0: Tharg's the best, man. He tells he it like care. He tells it like it is and lets everybody know what their problem
1: is. Oh, God, I guess. Uh, I mean, kids are just generally a problem. <laughs>
0: hey, speaking of kids that are a problem
1: thrill seven keep ki- the kids from cosmo so <laughs> I'm, i will say i'm sorry i i almost like this one
0: <laughs> so this is cl- this is clearly like an old reprint story like mm-hmm. obviously um yeah. but, I, but i can't find the source of it anywhere like the places where that usually say where things have been printed before doesn't have any answers
1: this was its only run, is what that means. And, like,
0: Googling the kids from Cosma brings up nothing of note. Oh, really? The only thing I, I see is just there was a contestant on the Voice Kids Edition from 2015 that was named Cosma. But that's basically it. Well, that's kind of a cool name. Uh, it's okay. But here's the deal. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: that's right. Shots fired. Um, <laughs> a oh, capsule okay. from the planet Cosma is fired at Earth. Far below, there's an international track meet going on, and England is dead last, and apparently is always last in all sports. They haven't made a champion in 70 years. Jesus. Bob Cannon, an instructor at a corrective center, which appears to be a jail of some kind, I don't know, gets razzed yeah. for this, yeah. And then he gets called out to where the capsule landed. Apparently it's got some cosmons who need corrections, they like sports too much.
1: I, yeah, and like... The whole setup's kind of bizarre. They're like the razzing, yeah, but it doesn't really lead you into think that like this dude is just hated by everyone. <laughs> Turns out he is. Yeah, it's
0: good. So they open the they open the capsule and a pair of young of young boys in track uniforms come out introducing themselves as Jack and Tiffy. And <laughs> they're super fast, and they're super strong because uh the cosmic atmosphere is the or the gravian cosmos is six times heavier than it is here on earth
1: and dragon ball z rules here if you train in six times normal gravity you're just six times better
0: how else would it be i mean i don't know <laughs> i guess just
1: really difficult to live is my first guess yeah
0: but then that makes you strong because you learn to live duh jeez <laughs> you, Fox you're gonna need to put this big turtle shell on your back and continue this podcast with heavy weights um, All right. <laughs> so the authorities try to discipline these kids from Cosma title but uh, Bob tries wow. to be light on them and he takes charge of their uh, um, re-education or whatever um, after sort of checking them out a bit Bob decides that these kids being really great at sports and having English accents should join the English <laughs> national team <laughs> And so they decide, for a reason! Yeah, so they decide to fly the coop. So after some quick uh, super running and super jumping, the trio's on their way. They board a Skycopter and fly to London, where they apply for asylum. And they just need to find a living relative. But but, but they're sort of free to go, until, if, assuming they can find a relative in the next five days.
1: Just saying here, this guy... Well, it may be that he took a shine to them, which never establishes itself. He has literally been like, oh, oh, these can make us look good. Let's take these items to England and make sure that they're put into this event.
0: He literally said, these kids have English accents. I love English sports. Now we can finally win something.
1: Yeah, no, he is just using these children for material gain.
0: I like it. Um. <laughs> I
1: mean, it makes some sense, but he's still yeah. kind of a terrible guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, so he t- So Bob takes the kids to this underground sports arena where the English team is training and being all crappy all the time. The kids immediately win everything. Um <laughs> and that's important because the international finals are in three days. Unfortunately, they don't have any living relatives on the Earth. Uh, it's time to phone Cosma and see what happens. And that's the cliffhanger of this story.
1: And then, you know, something cooler happens, which is a mech war spread. Well, first, let's finish up Cosma. Um, I know. The,
0: the kids complete compete as English people for the finals. They're put in the 10,000-meter dash. Um, eating
1: lollies nonetheless yeah well they
0: beat first they beat up guys from the corrective institute that are trying to stop them from competing the other the other competitors make fun of the kids by giving them ice lollies which are what we call popsicles here in the united states thank you but the kids proceed to make those guys look like fools they lap the field twice to win the race Uh yeah As they win, the Institute guys show up and try to seize the kids. As Pandemonium breaks loose, suddenly an ultra-strong old guy shows up. He's the kid's Freaking rough... grandpa. <laughs> yeah, he's their rough-and-tumble British grandpa. So the kids are all right, and they're duty, duly du- du- Englishmen. And now all the awards can be won by space aliens that um, are nominally British. Hooray! <laughs> 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 and not like... Not like immigrant aliens, like actual like from space aliens.
1: Yeah, weren't born on Earth. They're just superhuman children. It's That's like right. saying Superman wins the hoop skitball basket kick game. Wow. I you, don't I don't know. Sports. Your brain
0: just fell out of your ear at the end there, that. that was excellent. Um <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, speaking of being very confused, Thrill 8, Mech Wars, and Tharg's Cosmic Puzzle. So, oh, man, two big parts of this section here. One, there's an awesome full page spread by Kev O'Neill of like pre-ABC Warriors era Hammerstein fighting Volgan war droids as big super tanks and ships and helicopters fly overhead. It's extremely dope.
1: It's the robots and explosions we've all come to know and love.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Then after that, there's a quiz by Tharg that's of a combination of 2000 AD and period random sci-fi things that I decided it was no fun quizzing Fox about. Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, because I would have lost. Yeah. Uh,
0: Then the answers from this one would then go into a word search, which is on the next page. It's very complicated.
1: Uh, I mean, kids had... Other things, are not much to do, I guess, when you spend a jillion pence on a freaking book. Uh, only 40, but still, speaking
0: of exasperated size, through 9, a breath of fresh air. <sighs> so this is another text story. Um, I prefer text stories to features, but only a little bit, I'd say. Uh, In this case, a guy in the future has terrible bad breath, so he goes to get it fixed, and ends up, the fix being that he gets a robot mouth and, like, breathing system, so he'll never breathe a human style again, oh man. It
1: super sucks, but I guess Whatever.
0: You know, the guy had really bad breath. He just he spent all of his life buying, like, covering his face in scarves, and periodically having to buy new scarves because his bad breath threw them, and then killing, and then not not killing, but like freaking everybody out that breathed him, even as he, you know, holding his breath as he bought the new scarf and stuff like that. That's the big story.
1: It, it makes me wonder what like Mister Torso's deal was, because his face was human, but the rest of him was robot. Oh, for
0: the uh, bad guy from Inferno
1: yeah like
0: yeah we never got it back you know this comic was cancelled before we could figure out what that guy's deal was
1: I think he just had really terrible body odor but he had a beautiful face
0: oh so he had like his entire body like covered in lucite so that it would just stay perfect and not smell
1: yeah exactly he's beautiful so why uh, why worry about all the whatever parts I mean this guy is sad because he's got a sweet robot mouth for like breaking metal and singing perfectly or whatever yeah it's
0: true yeah Hey, speaking of perfect robot things, (laughs) non-thrills, Rojas and Hammersteins laughing.
1: Yes!
0: it's, It's weird. This is the first letters section we've had during a special. But this one's all just, you know, letters and fan arts for uh Rojas and Hammerstein and stuff. There's a pretty they good awesome. uh, there's a pretty good war poem about Hammerstein and some very neat fan art, including a uh Rojas model and then like a I picture of Rojas wearing a crown and stuff. All the models and of, of of Rojas and Hammerstein I really appreciate. I don't know.
1: They're really like I I mean, I guess it's not exactly, like, whatever, correct or whatever, but it's obviously, like, a person's project, and it looks enough like him, and it's cute, and it's awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean, many of the Rojas ones are very much, like, toilet paper roll-based and stuff, but, like, they're charming enough that I'm sort of, like, willing to allow it, you know?
1: And also, they're the best robots ever, so...
0: I'll just say that I'll take a thousand poorly done freehand kid freehand drawings versus one perfect trace job, as we'll see later.
1: Boom! Shots fired children from 1979
0: I Even I haven't even gotten there yet. First, let's go to a Thrill 10, the Dread Interview.
1: This was interesting as hell man
0: yeah so it's an interview by a fairly new writer alan grant interviewing uh john wagner written as john howard and artist brian bolland it's kind of interesting because grant and grant and wagner will go go on to be huge writing partners and like the two of them are going to write like 70 percent of 2000 ad throughout the 80s i think wow that's awesome um it's I mean, of, when
1: your first answer is Dune, I'm pretty much on board. Yeah,
0: they ask both writers what their favorite science fiction stories are, and Howard's is Dune, which is pretty nice.
1: Yep. I um, have never read the Mueller-Focker effect, so I can't comment.
0: But that's an interesting choice, at least, for for Brian Bolland. Mm. Um, but it's yeah, it's sort of hard to encapsulate this interview without just sort of reading the interview,
1: you know what I mean? Yeah, you really should take the time to check it out if you can. If you're reading along, this is possibly, like, the most interesting section of this um, comic for me. Yeah,
0: but there's some interesting stuff. I think it's interesting that both of them seem to think we're kind of, will be heading towards a Dread-type world if all possible Mm -hmm. bad things happen in our society. and mm-hmm. both sort of joke like when asked like do you think the world will need cops like Judge Dredd they both say like oh I think there are places that already have cops like Judge Dredd like for better or for worse Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting like, like Wagner sort of talks about there being some sort of like cataclysmic crisis type event that will determine how our world yeah. will go forward
1: it's really how- weird yeah, it's- like very abysmal
0: yeah He kind of talks about how uh, there'll be a more technologically advanced world and how he might be um, replaced by robots, but then not know how to stop working and sort of whatever, not have to adapt to a life of leisure and become less focused on that.
1: Yeah, which has been a major theme in recent uh, Judge yeah, Dredd it definitely
0: echoes some, some stuff that happens um, in the previous progs, and just means that I'm a man ahead of my time with my extreme laziness. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I think it's interesting, uh, Brian Ballin gives an answer about um, like how we need to switch to alternative energy sources like solar, wind, and tidal energy, which yeah. is is depressing. Basically, because you could give this answer today, 38 years later, you know.
1: Well, I mean, a lot of people gave up on tidal. I yeah. mean, that's a thing that happened.
0: I know you got to. And it's no fair because I think Jay Z had a pretty good profit model if you gave it enough time. Oh my oh. god. Oh god. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> oh, you walked right into that one. Oh my I, God! I set it up. Uh, that was on uh, purpose, everybody.
1: <laughs> okay. Shut up.
0: <laughs> Next up, uh, Thrill Eleven Judge Dread fan art,
1: which is awesome. I most mean, it's,
0: it's cute. <laughs> most of it's awesome. Except, yeah. except for one by Julian Hayden Pig of Maidenhead, Berkshire, who precisely traced uh, the picture of Judge Dredd from the from page ninety-seven of the nineteen seventy-nine two thousand eighty annual. Exactly, precisely, look it up. Actually, yeah, that I am. I am on to you, You're Julian familiar. Hayden. Julia Hayden Pig. I instantly recognized this artwork, and you are a fraud
1: you got (laughs) two pounds for that
0: you're probably like in your 40s if not 50s now but from hell's heart i stab at thee
1: (laughs) be ashamed and if you ever listen to this podcast like comment subscribe share with your friends
0: honestly i would like to meet anybody you had a picture or letter posted in 2000 ad i'm interested to see if the two pounds you got was in cash or in check and just what the general stuff around that was
1: and really, quite frankly, I mean, did you keep it? Did your parents take it? Did you spend it on ice lollies? Always,
0: yeah. Just some kind of pudding, I'd imagine. Or a
1: Wonka bar, you know?
0: So I say pudding because that's what they just call any kind of dessert in England. Really? I, I, that's how I understand it to be, yes. Huh. I don't know. Um <laughs> <laughs>
1: we're uncultured
0: i mean i'm american cultured man i don't know i know a lot of stuff that i bet would be sort of questionable for english people
1: that's fair i mean they'd still call us the colonies bastards
0: man, i don't know if that's true either but <laughs> <laughs> speaking of colonies thrill 12 strontium dog
1: I think we're finally finding our stride after 35 episodes
0: hey we're going fast this one i don't know there's just a lot of like things that took up a lot of space but are kind of quick to describe like a lot of the text stuff you know i could sum up in like two sentences but there's a lot of like set setting and stuff like that that i'm just this is a comic book podcast so words are sort of questionable you know what i mean
1: yeah of course <laughs>
0: So, the script robot for Strontium Dog is Steve McManus, a.k.a. Tharg, now writing as Ian Rogan. Uh, mm-hmm. The art robot is Rob Moran. The lettering robot is John Aldrich. Yeah, sorry, Steve McManus is currently the editor of 2000AD. And he's writing uh, under a okay. pen name here, but that's who he is. Anyhow, <laughs> wow. this, this story is
1: Assault on Trigol Three. It's a prospecty town.
0: Yeah, yeah. They got a big golden miner orbiting the planet like a, like the Colossus of Rhodes. Uh, Which what? Why not, man? So Johnny yes. Johnny Wolf and the Grog or, and the Gronk arrive on Trigol Three after Harry the Horse, a fugitive wanted for planet side, aka what Dan Dare does all the time.
1: Oh. Yeah, I was I was gonna ask you that. It's like, do they ever go after Dan Dare? Cause that dude murders entire planets because of snow.
0: I don't think the timelines the timelines match up.
1: Maybe they're just more fast and loose in the super future.
0: It's true. So the guys head out to Nickel City, where Johnny's old friend Deke Wilson is marshal, or he would be, but they find the town under the control of no good varmints. Ah, varmints! They've renamed the town Lawless and are making Deke draw against a robot horse, which he loses to the humiliation. Johnny blows up the horse and runs everybody out of town.
1: As you do. Yeah, and not And uh, not, not until he uses eyeball powers to psychically jab at this dude.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true. He makes a guy admit he's a murderer using his eyeball powers, which is always fun.
1: You get a lot of Johnny Alpha powers in this one.
0: There's a lot of good, uh, like it's a good rundown of Strontium Dog abilities in, in general in this in the, in this uh, comic.
1: Yeah, those are the parts I like. Yeah. I didn't like some other parts.
0: <laughs> so Jake explains that he's too old for the job. Now that the town has swelled in population due to an ore strike, he was counting on his son Billy to help, but Billy ran off six weeks ago. Things look bad, so Johnny volunteers as deputy and starts cleaning up the town
1: and Volf smashes a dude's face with a hammer
0: yeah after a few days and a bunch of dudes being arrested and put in jail um order is returned to nickel city but gronk runs the identities of the guys in jail and finds that one of them is the son
1: of harry the horse He's like, oh snap! This yeah. is not great.
0: Johnny's actually like, oh, this is okay, because 'cause I'm going after Harry the horse anyways, and so he'll come by to spring a son. Harry shows more powers. Yeah, Harry shows up with an army, and Johnny has to pull out all the stops. He Uses both a time trap and the Electronux.
1: Oh, yeah, smash a dude's face with electricity.
0: And and and, And the time trap's pretty good, too. Basically, you sort of run into it, and then it warps you back five seconds, and you redo the running into it, and you get caught in an endless loop like that. That's called hell. Hey, I mean, no, because hell was where there was like that big, like a fire, (laughs) and there were gargoyles with tickets, and Mr. Sun and Mr. Moon and stuff. (laughs) Fair enough. The uh, goons retreat, but Harry soon returns with a trump card. He's got the Marshal's son hostage.
1: Oh, how does he get out of that pickle? And, well, they or, do. A... sorry, dare cucumber. <laughs>
0: exactly. They do a prisoner exchange, but Johnny has a plan. He sets his blaster to low power, and as Harry is holding Billy, the Marshal's son, hostage, he shoots right through him, and the charge goes through Billy and into Harry where it explodes, taking him out.
1: That sounds like some communist technology, if you ask me. <sighs> Throwback to a specific Judge Shred.
0: Yeah, only on the moon. Um... <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah.
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, Wolf throws a time bomb at the remaining goons, warping them two days into the future in time, but not in location. So they reappear in the depths of space and instantly die.
1: Which, so second time in uh, 2000 AD that we've seen this grenade, and it's yeah, awesome.
0: Yeah, it's a standby for Strontium Dog stuff, um, and it's my favorite piece of technology. It's such a hell bril- yeah! It's such a brilliant use of time travel of just like yeah, no, listen. You're going to be where you are, but in the future, Earth's not going to be there, buddy.
1: X, Y, Z coordinates, you're screwed.
0: Yeah, because so that's so often not, you know, sorry. As a nerd, I get, ang- like, certain like, sci-fi trope things can bother me. And a lot mm-hmm. of times it's stuff like um, time travel where you move in distance as well as location with no explanation for why that is, you know. Like, yeah. like, if we're starting this time machine in California, then how can we go back to ancient Rome? Like, shouldn't we be in California in the 15th century or in, in like 500 BC or whatever? And it's never explained.
1: Yeah. And and we like, calculate all of that stuff, and like where you are in the Milky Way galaxy at that point, and like
0: and just have a reason yeah. to explain why your vehicle's moving, you know?
1: But whatever, whatever.
0: <laughs> well, with one thing and another. Um, you know the bad guys are taken out. Father and son is are reunited, and the bounty is claimed. As the team drives
1: off, they see the town has been renamed to Alphaville. Hooray! Which, come on, guys, downplaying some of the other characters on this crew, but also you know Johnny Alpha's awesome, so it's not so bad. Yeah, he's a good guy, man. Whatever, it's straightforward. <laughs> exactly. I like it.
0: Yeah. Cool. All right. So, but hey, oh, speaking no. of excellent
1: strontium dogs thrill 13 you are a strontium dog please tell me by that lead-in that i did excellently yeah
0: this is the same deal as the judge dread quiz with multiple choice questions and stuff fox did pretty good uh got 42 out of 50 Congratulate, oh, yeah. Congratulations, Strontium Dog. You proved beyond doubt that you would be a top search and destroy agent, second only to Johnny Alpha himself. You have the experience to know when to make your move and when not to. Your reflexes are worth nine lives, and your knowledge of human nature helps you tell the hardened lawbreakers from the young kids who deserve a second chance. Aww. Oh, yeah. I'm, you, a,
1: I'm a heart of gold guy.
0: Yeah, you lost points from when you got held up or you lost points when a voice told you to drop your gun, and you didn't. You should have done what you were told. And then also, when you were dealing with a captured bounty, you uh, should have stunned him with his own blaster instead of tying him up.
1: Oh. oh okay. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, all those lessons learned.
0: Yeah. Hey, it's how it goes. You but know, I mean, we-
1: like, I, I, I don't know how to lead into this next one, because I couldn't figure out how to, say, trotting out a pony...
0: Hey, not everyone can be a, a hyper-powered host like myself. <laughs> hey, speaking of hyperpower,
1: Thrill 14, Mach 1. And this ha- dead horse gets beaten once more. So script
0: robot for Mach 1 is Gary Rice. Art robot's Gary Leach. Lettering robot is Steve Richardson, or S. Richardson, I guess. So, a bunch of submarine terrorists have taken over an oil rig.
1: Oh, no. What terrorists have a freaking submarine?
0: It's a good question. Meanwhile, John Probe is back alive and stealing microfilm, but it's actually an evaluation from his uh, ha- evil handler. Ah, jeez.
1: Who doesn't smoke cigarettes anymore or cigars. He uses the weird, like, stem for his cigarette because they want to make him look extra shitty. <laughs> hey, why not, man? You know, hindsight's
0: twenty-twenty. That's what I say
1: yeah pretty much yeah so
0: this probe is sent out to free the oil rig he approaches in a speedboat but comes underwater and then some under awesome fire.
1: stuff happens yeah frogmen
0: yeah he dodges underwater and he comes into to a bunch of frogmen who attack him he catches they shoot spear guns at him he catches the spears and throws them back at him killing them
1: both it's awesome it's really great and, and with minimal dialogue. Mm-hmm.
0: I Honestly, I love when any time someone catches something and throws it back at someone else for deadly ability. Yep. So Probe um, swims to the Oil derrick. He superpowered diehards his way through the derrick, freeing the hostages, but allowing but getting shot in the head and knocked out, which allows the terrorists time to set up a time bomb and then escape via helicopter and submarine. So
1: what does he do? Something awesome. <laughs>
0: Probe runs out to the helipad, grabs the uh like the bottom deals of the helicopter of the chopper just as it's taking off, and then hooks his feet under the uh um, under the railing at the base of the ch- at the helipad, so he stops the helicopter from taking taking off, and then he throws it down at the, at the terrorist helicopter, making both explode. It's awesome.
1: It's actual John probe action.
0: Yeah. Then he uh, runs down to the bomb, and as he does, he drop, he dodges like a 200-foot diamond-tipped drill bit that was being dropped on him by another terrorist. He, he grabs it and then throws it back up at the terrorist, killing that guy as well. Oh God! And then he grabs the bomb and just throws, lobs it off the side of the oil rig
1: so it explodes harmlessly. Mach one is the winner, flawless victory. Hey, remember when Mach 1 was Mach 1 and just did Mach 1 stuff and it was interesting and good?
0: Hey, I thought this was a really good Mach 1 story, no, I gotta say. No, it was say.
1: solid. Like, what the hell? We haven't had a non-racist, non-garbage one for such a long time, and this was all spy action with superpowers.
0: Well, those were all, um, most of the bad ones we've had have been these sort of, um, special and annual ones sort of by other art teams and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I mean, this one really just kind of is like make a six million dollar man story and whatever, and they did it, and it's fine. And then, you know, I think we've really appreciated Gary Leach's art in a lot of things. This seems like sort oh, of yeah. an early attempt by him, I think, just because it's got a little bit less of the um of the of sort of the scratchier qualities that we saw in his Mach Zero work. Mm-hmm. But um, it's still very you know, it's still very dark and the stuff that we kind of like him doing, you know.
1: Nice. Does a great job. And it's a lot of show-don't-tell, which I'm good with, man.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a big um, relief from some of the other comics we've seen, which have been very wordy. Yeah, big time. Yeah, So this takes us to our final thrill, Thrill 15, I, Robot, which is just a... uh, just a diagram page of Hammerstein showing off his, the various parts of his cool body and stuff like that. Uh, my favorite is definitely his uh, Caterpillar foot tracks, <laughs> which lets him go 96 mile, uh, kilometers per hour. Just because he usually, he usually actually walks. So you don't see him use the tracks built into his feet all that often.
1: So do you think this is the life-size model that they have in the office? Because it looks a lot like it.
0: Yeah, the art looks like a, um, like the, like a photograph of the model, or maybe like a colored-in picture of the model.
1: Mm-hmm. It looks really slick. I like it a lot.
0: Yeah, I want to know about more, more about that model, actually. There's nothing about it in the Thrill Power Overload book, which is kind of a bummer. Like, I want, to know, huh. I want to know who made it. I want to know how big it was. If it could stand up on its own. And, um, like, if, it, if they just kept it in a closet in the 2000 AD office. Or if there was, like, an extra desk that they just sat behind permanently.
1: That would be awesome.
0: <laughs> Anyhow, uh, that's it for Thrills this month, Fox. We sort of burnt, uh, powered right through this sci-fi special. What it wasn't was your... too long. Yeah, no, it's, you know, I mean, it's just 60 pages. It's, like, half of the page count that we usually cover on the show. Mm-hmm. It just has a lot of variety and stuff. So what were your top and bottom thrills for this, the 2000 AD 1979 sci-fi special?
1: So uh, maybe I'm being a little bit um, against the grade here. I, For my top, I'm actually going for Mach 1. Nice. It, it's refreshing to see just a conventional Mach 1 story that, like, I, you know, when we were talking about Mach 1 for the longest time, we wanted a little bit more depth. We wanted some more, um, like, interesting stuff, but this feels like, you know, Mach 1 and Invasion from the start, where it's just probe is doing some things he's doing them really awesomely it's got some fun spy stuff like i'm always in favor of frogmen and harpoons (laughs) uh he takes a helicopter and throws it into uh the ocean into the friggin' submarine and things explode it's great
0: yeah i mean you know who could actual
1: good action
0: yeah you know who couldn't pull that move off who uh captain america in captain america winter soldier i'm just saying the helicopter
1: beat him (laughs) dude that's what i'm talking about like john probe is dope and he you know like it, it was just really good the art was beautiful it it didn't overstay its welcome it didn't um like use a bunch of words to have to explain through exposition what the hell's going on it's just like nope look at this this is what's going on mm-hmm. um and that's not to downplay you know Strontium Dog this wasn't my favorite or anything like that but I actually got to see some powers I hadn't seen before yeah judge judge shred like yeah but to talk about the comic that I haven't been saying at all which is my definite bottom is the kids from Cosmo. Oh, no. It's it's not that it's terrible. It's actually kind of endearing. It's just that this British guy takes advantage of two child prodigies. And there are just so many words, Conrad. And they get in front of all (laughs) of the art that I want to see. And it's like, these kids are supposed to be athletic, but it's like, when do I get to see that? Oh, behind all these speech bubbles. Yeah. Great. (laughs) I hear you. So what's your top and bottom, baby?
0: Oh, uh, I don't know. I got. I, I like honestly didn't think about it. Um, <laughs> Shit. Shoot. shoot. Um, no, my bottom. I'm gonna share my bottom as the kids from Cosmo. I did not like. I didn't like that story that much. It no. seems so weird. Like it's just. Um, it's got a really weird pacing where it's just like, "Hey, here are these kids. Oh, let's put them on this on the team. Oh, we're escaping from prison. All right, you yeah. know."
1: Yeah, oh, Grandpa's back. Ah, Everything's fine.
0: Yeah, it just, it didn't feel like it was a, like, you know, a lot of the stories that they put, or, sorry, many of the stories they put in here are these sort of classic stories from the vaults or whatever, and this felt like a very old story. Mm -hmm. Like it was just sort of had a different, from a different era of storytelling and stuff
1: like that. It was filler. And it wasn't even the funny sort of filler that you get that's sort of gruesome out of, uh, you know... um, Future shocks, you know. Yeah,
0: I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, it's always filler, but it, this was like really like wow. Like <laughs> they just needed a whole bunch of pages, and this was something that was picked because it was ten pages long more than anything else. It seemed like.
1: Yep, agree.
0: Um, but that's my bottom thrill. My top thrill. That's tough. Mm, I'm gonna say uh Judge Dread, just because I like the Ape Gang. I think they're always funny. Mm. They got these ape- these apes, and they're actually gangsters and stuff. Um, though close to it is the last jungle in the world, the jungle um, future shock. Yeah, God, that was intense. <laughs> just because the end is such a swerve of like, I mean, obviously all future shocks are swerves, right? But or yeah. so many of them are. But to have the one of the kids just end up being a shrunken head is like whoa. Yeah, like, that's an
1: that's an actual future shock. If you
0: yeah. ask me no it's definitely pretty shocking and it's way more of like a tales from the crypt as opposed to a twilight zone if that makes sense you know
1: yeah no definitely and and in a sci-fi setting like this actually nails what i would have expected future shocks to be
0: yeah so i'd say honestly i might put that one more above the ju- the the dread story just a, a a random weird future shock with a really um surprising ending is, is like what a we're first looking time for
1: future shock top thrill
0: i think so I have oh to my go. God. I don't really keep track of what our of, of what our top and bottom thrills are week to week. I got to say, um,
1: whatever. I'm the dumb one. First time, future shock. Bam, bam, bam. It sounds
0: right. It sounds very right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Awesome. What I, actual not completely garbage special?
0: I thought this was a, this was definitely the best special yet. Um, yeah. And I feel like as. Um, as we progress through, these are going to get better just as the quality of writer comes in, gets more and more. They have a lot more stuff in the back, so there's a lot more just 2000 AD content in the actual special. And they don't have to fill it up with all the space articles and vault stuff. You know you, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, exactly, which is so much more, I, I mean, comfortable. throwing a Harlem Heroes once in a while, even if it's a one-off. Come on, Yeah, guys.
0: because, you know, I mean, the fact is... You know, these specials get better and better and because they're sort of where new talent starts in 2000 AD. It means we'll start getting some cool new writers starting, um, starting in 2000 AD in these specials, including uh, next year in 1980, a certain young, young bearded fellow named uh, Alan Moore. Dun, dun, really? Dun.
1: <laughs> really? Yeah. Dude, that's awesome.
0: It's going to be fun. Um, but anyhow...
1: Alan- Call
0: me. He's not. He doesn't listen to podcasts, bro. <laughs> and he'd probably insult you for handling his stuff wrong, too. I know what he's like from the I internet, mean, I bro. know.
1: <laughs> bro, look, I'm uh... a... <laughs> I'm a troglodyte, what can I say? Yeah.
0: Anyhow, if you enjoyed the show, I'd love to hear from you. You can find Space Spinner two thousand on iTunes, the um, Stitcher the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site at com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner two thousand at gmail dot com or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter we're at spacespinner two K. For everything else, look up Space Spinner two thousand and we should be there. Tune in next week as Mega City One comes under attack from a, from a mutant army with plant based abilities. Cool. Uh, Bill Savage deals with rats, both regular and human.
1: The, uh, maybe. The,
0: yeah. The ABC Warriors meet two of my favorite members, Mongrel and Deathlock. Deathlock. Wait, no. Maybe Deadlock. Yeah, Deadlock. But still. Still awesome. And Project Overkill rolls on. And uh, Dan Dare goes on trial. I mean, finally, question mark? Exactly. Until next time, I'm Conrad, he's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000.
1: Splendug for rig. rig.
0: Th- speaking of taking a breath to center yourself, uh, thrill nine. A breath. Oh, wait, no. I did it wrong. Oh, Jesus. Conrad cut that part out.
1: Oh, God.